0: Asian
1: Pop Nation on Sin 90.7 Hello, hello dear listeners. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. You guys just heard a collection of very pop electronica spaceship vibe songs, starting off with Back to Real Life by Yoon Sung. And before that, you guys heard Girls Night by Crystal K. And even more before that, you guys heard Spiral Neo Wave by Sonic Coaster Pop. Now, for those of you who already know these title tracks, you may be thinking, hmm, they sound a bit different from the normal tracks that we play on Asian Pop Nation. And um, people who already know the songs will know that they come from the early 2000s, namely 2001 and 2004. Now, why would we be playing songs from that time period, you may ask, especially considering we normally broadcast the most recent um, Asian music? Well... That will be further explained in the next little segment, but basically us here at APN thought it'd be very fun to do a cool throwback segment to the Y2K era of roughly between 1995 to 2005 in honour of one of our members' birthdays, Tracy. uh, As you know, Tracy is very much a music girly, so we thought it'd be very fitting to play some songs from uh, the time period that she was born. And also talk about some movies, TV shows, um, anime that was released during that time and discuss our thoughts about it and what makes them ay 2 k But of course, aside from me, your EP, Jessie, uh, you'll also be hearing from our other APN members today, including, of course, Tracy, Leisha, Lee, Ethan and Xenia. Um, But yeah, before we jump right into a bit of a intro segment where tracy will be explaining the concept a little bit better than i did hello hello you are tuned in to the wonderful asian pop nation on sin where well, you guys just heard a collection of tracks from the early 2000s starting off with yoho Gwe sonata by ivy and for that you guys heard valenti by boa and this song actually hit number two on the weekly charts in japan and sold more than 300k units so, Boa was quite a big hit in Japan in the early 2000s. So, yeah. But before that, you guys obviously heard Wild Eyes by Xinhua, which is a very iconic boy group, and this song is also a very iconic song. But speaking of early 2000s and Y2K vibes, um, we will be jumping right into Tracy's B-Day segment. So, woo! Uh.
0: Happy, Happy birthday to Happy birthday! Is that it? Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tracy!
2: Thank you, Xenia. I feel hey. like myself getting older. Sat right here and
0: wiser.
3: Yeah, wiser. <laughs> Closer to sin death. Oh, oh my god. god!
2: So yeah, I guess I'm one year older. And first of all, we wanted to do like a bunch of things around the late 90s and early 2000s which is like when I was born and we were like hey why don't we just do a Y2K themed show so that's going to be the theme of the show this week so basically all the music you're going to be hearing is going to be from these years mainly between 1996 and 2005 and it's all been selected by me because my main joy in life is picking music for Asian Pop Nation. So, for my birthday, as a nice treat, I get to pick all the music for a whole show and play songs that no one else likes.
0: Yay! Yay! Yay. we all like, probably I like, like your it. Music. Yeah, I like Tracy's I definitely like it. <laughs> okay.
2: Yes. I'm still trying to figure out how to put that in the new Japanese song you want. But yes, I've been thinking this week, like, what actually is Y2K? What is Y2K music? And I think because Y2K is something that's very more so defined in terms of, like, visual aesthetic or fashion, right? You think of, like, low-rise pants and, like, brat stalls and the little funky charms that you made as a kid. There's a whole bunch of visual language associated with Y2K, but in terms of music, it's like not as strongly defined I think like Britney Spears is Y2K and that's the only thing that really comes to mind like immediately Y2K is kitsch Y2K needs to be silly Y2K needs to be just very dated in like a way that is nostalgic for me personally at least and I think that Y2K in this respect has a lot of similarities with city pop because city pop was not really a genre in the 80s like it's a phrase that we've used retroactively to refer to a whole bunch of things which were considered like different scenes and different genres so Y2K is similar in that it's not a real genre but a nostalgic amalgamation of what we imagine the 2000s to be like and also like city pop there's something about the music which sounds kind of futuristic and utopian because that was sort of the thinking at the time like there was all this fascination about the new millennium and they were like oh we're in a new era let's do yeah. spaceship sounds in our music again yeah and then like
3: computers and the internet and stuff like that just made everyone go like oh yes future what's it gonna be
2: like yeah definitely oh. the internet becoming super widespread in the 2000s mm. was just like we're virtual now and people were very excited but yeah in terms of music genres I've decided on like a palette that for me is Y2K. Hey, it's probably not Y2K for everyone. They're going to be like, why is this Y2K? The reason is because I think it's Y2K. I'm not thinking too deep about this. It's just what feels Y2K to me. So the genres are like R&B. Like when you think of 90s R&B, that is Y2K for me. Um, new Jack Swing is peak Y2K, probably like the most Y2K genre up there. Shibuya K, specifically late Shibuya K, going into Pico Pop. Um, Trip Hop, New Metal, Eurodance, New Age. And anything with like terrible, terrible rap features um, is also Y2K because of that kitsch element. And in terms of sounds, Y2K is anything that has like spaceship sounds at the beginning of it, I think is very Y2K. Even if it's not from Y2K, if it has spaceship sounds, it becomes Y2K. Um, anything with synths that sound like very sci-fi, um, the percussion needs to be sort of dance inspired. And if there are guitars, they're usually um, either new metal, like really distorted guitars, or they're like acoustic, jangly Christian cowgirl guitars. And that's my impression of y okay. k So tonight you're going to hear a lot of that, mostly from Japan and Korea. But yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the playlist this week. And as always, I will be updating our Spotify playlist with this. So stay tuned for whatever is going to come up next. I haven't decided what's going to come up next, but it's a song I really like. <laughs>
1: Yo, 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 yo. This is Asian Pop Nation on Sin with your wonderful EP, Jesse, of course. Ha ha ha. You guys just heard another collection of great tracks, starting off with Answer the Phone by Mina. And before that, you guys heard Love Sick Part 3 by Nujabis featuring shing Zero Two. And even more before that, you guys heard Tracy's favourite Utada song called Simple and Clean by Hikaru Utada now following on with this y2k theme our next little segment will discuss some movies that we thought really fit well within the theme but were also released during the time period of 1995 and 2005 very roughly and we ended up talking about this one particular movie way more than we thought. so we have now an entire segment dedicated to drumroll please rush hour so i will be cutting straight to the team
0: Uh, So the first topic that we have for this whole Y2K show segment theme is movies that were released in... 1995
2: to 2005-ish.
0: First movie... It's a classic came out in 1998 and it's called rush hour yay oh my gosh yeah
3: Yeah, we're starting out with probably one of the biggest trilogy films to have Mm -hmm. come out during this time and especially if you really like buddy cop situation type of things this was up there starring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Wow.
2: So me and Leisha have recently watched the first movie. Lee apparently is like a devoted Rush Hour fan and has the whole movie in her head Mm -hmm. by memory.
0: I watched it like over and over again when I was a kid because I didn't have internet and I had this movie legally downloaded onto (laughs) my very old iPad.
2: When you say kid, how old were you? I don't know, probably like primary school. If you saw this in primary school, that makes sense okay wait
0: for the listeners at home
3: who don't know anything about this film how would y'all i guess give a brief summary of at least the first movie
0: so from my memory in america a chinese diplomat daughter is kidnapped and then pretty much the fbi are like we need to find his daughter but i think the chinese diplomat wants jackie chan to assist I think he plays Detective Inspector Lee but then the FBI like no we don't want this Hong Kong guy all up in our uh, FBI stuff anyways so they just assign him with Fada, who's played by Chris Tucker to watch over him and he's in the LAPD
3: he initially gets tricked into thinking he's in this case to actually solve the mystery but then the FBI people were like no just babysit uh, Jackie Chan's character for us thank you and then this is where all like hatred starts
0: but then they work together and then become friends and then solve the case and all that and yeah and then they become besties for two two more movies after this Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's like a comedy action movie it's really good
3: when i re-watched this movie recently the most like interesting thing to dissect and talk about with this movie is Racism, but using I don't know how they do it because the writers and the director are all white people, so this is very like peculiar business, it's like both characters, both using peak stereotypical comments and insults back and forth to each other, but then somehow having in a very endearing moment and actually becoming like besties by the end of it. It's such like how how did this actually work, and how did it become a classic. Like, if they tried to do this exact formula in, like, 2023, this would just snow, like, full stop. I'm just so weirdly amazed, even by the concept of this franchise and how it just like worked perfectly
2: i just think it's funny that apparently this was a whole thing like mixed race buddy comedies like you had harold and kumar as well 2004 2008 and 2011 another trilogy that was like a mixed race main couple bro comedy sort of thing so this seems like a very 2000 sort of thing to me i just wrote down the racist things they said (laughs) um first the first racism that appears in the movie is where the fbi officer says i don't need help from the lapd or some chunking cop Yeah reference to street fighter i believe also another racism is the fact that like for the first half of the movie whenever jackie chan appears on the screen um the score suddenly becomes like asian the scene where he's getting off the plane literally a gong goes off (laughs) or like they some like they get some pan flutes or something and they go (laughs) like basically whenever he appears It's insane. And also, <laughs> that whole scene where Chris Tucker's like yelling at him because he thinks he can't speak English. And it's all mm-hmm. like, Mr. Riceroni, don't even speak American.
3: They, they make it like, it's kind of funny. Like, you mentioned that scene specifically because when I watched it, they actually make it like a callback by the end. Like, when you get to yeah. the very end of the movie, like, in the beginning... There's a payoff to it. Because initially, like, Jackie Chan's character actually doesn't speak at all to Connor. And the whole time, like, Chris Tucker's character is just like, yeah, like, you can't speak English or whatever. And then, random moment happens, and then he speaks, like, English. And then, I think the line is like like Carter kind of being like oh like I didn't know you speak English and he's like oh I never told you I didn't you just assumed I didn't
2: oh that's such an iconic line yeah and then and they, they say it, it several times yes the
3: and then they make it a callback at the end when they're on the plane and then I think Carter is trying to like flirt with this stewardess who's Chinese and he says che and then something else in Mandarin and then Jackie Chan is like oh I'm you spoke Chinese and then boom he says the line I never told so you I good. didn't you just assumed I didn't and I was like wait why did this kind of eat <laughs> like,
0: it's I... single-handedly ended
2: racism with that line I think it just goes to show like that the racism in this movie is really just like a service level thing to contribute mm-hmm. to the enemies to lovers trope yeah at the heart of it it's actually really really wholesome this movie oh, like, like it's It's about how two races can come together and be friends despite the differences there's a whole scene where they like have a dance battle
3: yes in the car like like
2: a cross-cultural dance battle that Mm. shows like how they bond it's such a like a like a very like wholesome earnest sort of like oh my god look races different races learning different their culture from each other um but again
3: it's like it's just the thing that's so bizarre to me, because again, it's it, It's just so. It actually surprisingly had a lot more endearing moments than I remember. When I was looking up stuff about this movie, I didn't realize that, like, you guys know Rotten Tomatoes, the film reviewing site? Apparently, part of the creation of the website is from this movie. I guess from what I, like, just skimmed read through, the original guy was, like, a fan of Jackie Chan movies. He, on his own, were, like, compiling some Jackie Chan films and stuff, and I guess writing his own little reviews in anticipation for Rush Hour that was coming up, because I think there was a lot of promo initials when this movie was coming out to be like ooh d jackie chan breakout film into the western scene type of thing mm-hmm. so this guy was like ooh, let me code and make this website up <laughs> and da-da-da. and then now it is what it is today and i was like this is That's kind crazy.
2: of crazy <laughs> wow not- i didn't know you're so old Ron tomatoes mm-hmm.
3: yeah and i was like damn it's ancient um that whole moment just I guess kind of reminded me how influential even this film is, weirdly enough, despite like, again, you watch it now, some, I think if you try to watch the entire trilogy in one go, oh god, a lot of things just do not date well at all full stuff. But it still has such like a cult following and then I find like every once in a while online people will bring this movie back into conversation being like yes this is like the one film that brought black people and Asian people especially in America like solidarity in a film context type of thing. And it's like oh my gosh again 1988 I kind of forget it's like impact at the time. It's just kind of impressive also kind of like it's kind of impressive like how it's been made and everything like I wow.
1: Don't go anywhere, this is Asian Pop Nation on Sin. You guys just heard a collection of tracks by Korean artists, starting off with Just a Feeling by SCS. And before that, you guys heard Atlantis Princess by Boa. And even more before that, you guys heard Zero Percent by G-O-D. Now, since we talked so much about Rush Hour in the previous segment, we will of course be talking a bit more about some other movies that were released in the Y2K era, and movies that we thought were very fitting of the theme so without further ado i shall pass it right along to the team
3: we mentioned a little bit about how rush hour is quite like action heavy of course there's jackie chan in it and then along the lines in films that kind of came out in this time period we found out that actually there was quite like a big moment in general for comedy movies that have elements of kung fu in it I guess the ones that we specifically are gonna like pinpoint out here, these two famous ones that I personally always see every Chinese New Year, not by choice, (laughs) is uh, Kung Fu Hustle from 2004 and Shaolin Soccer in 2001, same director, man. What's his
2: name again? Even Chow. Even Chow. Thank
3: you. (laughs) um and then another one in this category is tokyo raiders from 2000 and from my knowledge stars tony Leung in it yes?
2: yes it's so funny it's like if you got a jackie chan movie but it's of jackie chan it was tony leung it's crazy i i really enjoyed it it's very much of its time but actually is very entertaining watch it's very silly it's not a great movie but it's a good movie
3: i'll say i will use the exact same descriptors for kung Fu hustle and shaolin
2: soccer <laughs> what do you mean kung Fu hustle isn't a great movie okay. it's amazing okay. 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 it's is so good. okay yeah. kung Fu
3: hustle is like that she's the edge of okay there's like a there's a good kind of plot happening there let's put shaolin soccer on the same boat then when
0: the buddha yeah. hand comes down and crushes them <laughs> are you kidding Alicia? <laughs> kind of good plot sorry there. i don't know real cinema like that <laughs> sorry
3: i guess we're there i've not seen tokyo raiders so tracy will have to fact check me for this but especially in terms of like shaolin Soccer and kung fu hustle it's like very zany like cgi type of fighting sequences that have like kung fu influences in it mixed with powers that pop out of nowhere type of thing but it's like i guess these all are kind of that sort of boat i don't know
2: yeah the 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 cgi is very extensive mm-hmm. and very dated <laughs> but it works because like these are comedies and they're not meant to be super realistic they're extremely cartoony like it's they feel like live action cartoons they they also remind me of like early early youtube where it was just like kids making a sketch comedy in their rooms it kind of gives me those vibes because it's just completely nonsense. It's just crazy, delirious stuff that just happens for no reason other than the fact that it's funny. <laughs> yeah,
3: but. you just can't... There's no moment of like, ooh, like questioning the physics or whatever. You're just kind of like, it happened. And I just have to accept that this is... It's video game living. logic, yeah.
2: Literally. <laughs> they both feel like video games. Like there's like stages that the main characters have to go through to <laughs> yeah. be like, they are so video game
3: coded. It's just, these are... Are just very crazy zany movies I feel like fits into when you're talking about music in Y2K kind of that I think in that kitsch realm like campy type of thing these are definitely peak edging into camp. that side yeah peak camp and then I guess we have like other shows here to talk about that one franchise specifically um I mean it gets campier as the movies go on from what I've seen but another one that we just wanted to i guess give a little shout out on this y2k situation is the fast and furious franchise now here hear me out hear me out basically less of the plot because let's be honest every single movie is the same Vin diesel going family cars go vroom everybody hugs big group hug movie ends type of thing but i think in like y2k if you see y2k primarily in just like an aesthetic sense i feel like specifically these two movies the 2003 too fast too furious and the 2006 fast and furious tokyo drift i feel like those two movies are like copy and paste the y2k aesthetic and specifically the fashion with two fast and two furious Devin aiko specifically everyone and their mama uses like her photos that she has next to her very slaveful pink car in the back and that is just like copy and paste the y2k fashion that everybody wants and she's beautiful gorgeous show stopping amazing um <laughs> and then tokyo drift um i think tokyo drift the movie in itself it, it kind of is dipping into that like i don't know fast and furious first like step into the camp zone because it's like from what I remember from watching a movie as a kid, it's like basically a white man trying to assimilate into a Japanese high school, even though he is clearly way older than a high schooler age. But he's he's there and then he gets into these like drifting competitions with local Tokyo people and then the iconic song. <laughs> Tokyo Drift by the Teriyaki Boys came out. And every time I hear it, it just brings me back to the Y2Kness. It's just zany in that zany side of things. And then I guess if we're talking about like purely on aesthetics purposes, not specifically this movie that I'm gonna mention is like giving Y2Kness, I don't think. It's along the lines of like family. And it's a very heartwarming movie, don't get me wrong. But I think the general vibe is not very Y2K, which is KG3, which is a Hindi film from 2001. I just wanted to mention, because the one of the characters to me is like, definition of madness y2k moment um Puja, i love her i wish i was her when i was in university but she is just you know boss lady and then lastly i guess in the film section I wanted to yeah. mention some animation oh <gasps> Guess. apparently what?
2: 1998 what? was a very important year for race relations or <laughs> because Mulan actually came out in 1998 which yes. is crazy because for a long time that was like the only movie you could think of as a child that had like an Asian woman as the protagonist mm-hmm.
3: like initially when we were even coming up with this segment and stuff before we were like starting to come up with this list I swear the main one that just popped out in my head first is Mulan Nineteen ninety eight, the OG, the classic. It's just, I guess, yeah. Primarily, it's here less of like.
2: It's not Y2K in terms of the aesthetic of Y2K and like the psychographic dimension, like the like the vibe of Y2K. But we're not really caring about that. This show, we're mainly just talking about the years that it was released in, and it fits. It fits the Y2K years, I guess. it
3: Fits, and she's iconic. And she's iconic, and
2: she's Asian. (laughs)
3: <laughs> exactly and you can't say otherwise and probably in the official what disney princess list still remains as like one of the only asian i guess like unquote quote, princesses or whatever female pro tag in the disney animation catalog she's just an icon she's a legend i love how we have mulan 2 which fits into the <laughs> timeline from 2004 that is
2: not as good <laughs>
3: good but if you like watching your favorite couple li Sheng and mulan go through relationship problems yeah give it 10 out of 10 <laughs> oh god like that that show just makes me realize how important relationship therapy is anyways um <laughs> And then I guess the last movie specifically, both by the same director that we wanted to mention in the segment, is these two movies by the director, Satoshi Kone. We have Perfect Blue from 1997 and Paprika from 2006.
2: Who's watched these movies?
3: I've seen Perfect Blue and Ethan has seen <laughs> Paprika, but where is this guy? He vanished. But... Well,
2: they're both commonly recommended as like a set like if you watch one you should watch the other apparently they have similar themes
3: yes similar like overarching I think the main thing that's very common is that the animation specifically goes into that As I think it's very evident specifically with Paprika it's you kind of don't really know what's reality and what's in the dreamscape of the main character or something like that because the animation is so like visually insane that is the way to put it um, again, I think it's much more evident in Paprika from what I have seen. And in terms of why I can say about Perfect Blue, because I've seen it before, because if you like films that are delving into like entertainment industry type of thing, a perspective of this one girl who was a Japanese idol specifically, and she's trying to make it out of that industry and get into acting... Um, but then a lot of a uh, lot of um interesting things happen. Let's just say that very dark though. No, I'll say that. So you know, content warning. Research it in your own time. I think both of these movies, especially uh, Perfect Blue, because it is like a psychological thriller, have very deep themes going about it. But the animation, I think, it's so like specific to this time in anime that it's just not really replicable, like in current modern day anime. Um, but yeah that's kind of a whole list and you know stay tuned in APN because this is only just the tip of the iceberg in the anime realm specifically because we're gonna go way more in depth on TV shows and specifically some animes that have come out in this Y2K era but again let us know your thoughts give us any more movie suggestions on Asian Pump Nation Facebook Twitter Instagram
1: Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where you guys just heard a collection of tracks from Japanese and Korean artists, starting off with Sugar Water by Sibo Mato. And before that, you guys heard Dreams Come True by SES from their second album, Shu Eugene C, which are the names of the members. And before that, you guys heard Automatic by Hikaru Utada, which is still the highest selling Japanese album of all time. Now, coming up, we are jumping into my personal favourite part of the show. It is our anime segment. uh, we can never leave off the show without an anime segment uh, that is a bit of a lie, but we do love our anime here at our pop nation. but um this week's anime segment is a bit different in terms that in terms of that, we are going to be following the y two k theme. so we are all looking at animes released between nineteen ninety five and two thousand and five very roughly. And our first little anime part segment, I guess, is going to be delving into some of the bigger titles that were released in the Y2K era. And some of these titles, I'm sure that everyone knows regardless of whether or not they watch anime. So we will cut right along to Alicia.
3: Now let's move on into all the anime sort of things. And one Yo. which I think dominated in this Y2K era is the importance of the big three. <gasps> now, now, what is the big
0: three, you guys, oh. anime experts the of big APN? Three. The big three anime that has like hundreds, yeah, hundreds of episodes. And they were One Piece, which came out in 1999. Naruto 2002 and Bleach 2004 so I actually only watched Naruto with like back then in the Y2K era mm-hmm. Um but yeah you know ninjas fighting each other um, nine tail fox spirit inside our main character and he's hated by everyone um and he instead of becoming a villain he is a hero yeah who else watched naruto oh i did (laughs) i I Ah. did
3: also in that peak like 2002 like y2k time period where i'm pretty sure for all of us here apn is like when we're growing up as kiddos yeah like this was one of the shows i watched on tv like all the time because it's just there and I did not even think it was anime in the first place. Um, I just okay. like I was like, ooh, cartoon. And plus it was dubbed. So it was like, like it was for me, it was dubbed in like like BM, sorry, Malay dub. So I did not even think it was like, I just thought it was a Malaysian-made content and I ate it up. <laughs> yeah, that was
0: me with one piece. Mine was dubbed in Cantonese. Mm. And I was like, oh my god, like Chinese people make such good shows. No. It was anime oh. but i only like watched like a few episodes when i was a kid of one piece but and then i only watch one piece like recently during covid because like who like whenever am i gonna get the time to watch that but bleach i i've never watched bleach leisha
3: I've watched Bleach and in terms of the big three when like during this era where at least in my opinion I think anime watching was a lot different back then where it's like a smaller community of like people who will I guess kind of gatekeep quote unquote the genre and be like you have to watch these three animes before you can go down the rabbit hole type of thing. Uh, so I definitely got into that pressure at one point and I never watched One Piece in my life till this day. Um, but Naruto and Bleach, on the other hand, different story. Yeah, Naruto watched it. I just saw it as a kid because it's just there on the TV. And Bleach, I like went out of my way to go on the internet and watch all those um, flipped view um, part 200,000 uh, of one episode of Bleach. Like that was... <laughs>
0: i mean, border around it. Not in English subtitles even. And I just ate it off. Yeah, with Spanish subtitles. subtitles. Wow. And I was like... Oh, yeah? No, 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 go. (laughs) I think, Jesse, you watched One Piece recently? Or you started Um, watching it recently?
1: I think... I think the big three for me personally coincided at a time where A, it was like you are a kid, you had nothing else going on. So you could just Mm. binge watch all the anime you want. And it also, like your anime I guess your the how do I say this your enthusiasm to watch anime was at its highest so like all these big very popular ones um that were also pretty long at the time I'm not sure how many episodes One Piece had when I started watching it as like a kid but it definitely wasn't like over a thousand episodes like it is now so I basically kind of binge watched it a lot during that time and then caught up and then like throughout like high school I kind of like kept up a little bit so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like as overwhelming to watch it um I know Lee said that uh she watched it over the pandemic did you binge it all
0: yeah I did there was nothing to do but watch one piece
1: did you get all a thousand plus episodes uh
0: I got up to Wano Oh, oh actually yeah I got up to date and then yeah and I haven't watched it since. Moving on, <laughs> um, most iconic. More. Most iconic after the big three, I think, was the Pokemon anime, which I didn't know was an anime because I watched it in English, dubbed. Same, same, Yeah. Um. It, Alicia, did you watch it? No, oh, okay.
3: I've I, I completely like skipped out on the Pokemon like train, mm. contrary to, I don't know, popular belief that everyone has had an interaction with like Pokemon series or the Pokemon games type of thing. No, uh, this never happened to me, but I do know that this series is very influential. Um, and then I think you guys all share a very similar experience than I think most people who are not. Japanese experience where it's like, yeah, you watch it and you think it's an American show because it's mm. typically aired in the dub, and you're kind of like, yeah, this is great American cartoon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually have also, a really funny story for when I kind of had an idea that, oh, it might be Japanese. There was this, like, I think there was this meme or like this going around where it was like, oh, in the English dub version rock uh in the japanese he had like onigiri which is like a oh image. yes and then in this... the japanese like jam donut jam yes <laughs> so, like,
0: yes oh, this Bro, that is not jam donuts no literally rice
1: balls it like... oh, didn't that is... change like the actual like thing he was holding it was still like a rice ball yeah <laughs> oh you are so
3: right i forget what, like a big thing during this time as well was like animes at this time getting like that localization situation Mm. where because they want to appeal so badly to like the western demographic they will switch off entirely like again like that whole broth thing just something which is just onigiri like no this kid needs to eat something known to American kids like jam donuts and then boom they did it like I forgot that was a very like prevalent thing that was happening at the time which doesn't i don't think happens anymore at all with anime no No, yeah
0: people are more accepting of other cultures now (laughs) 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 but yeah also the iconic theme i want to be the very best which apparently they don't have that in japan like it's a whole another song it's an entirely different theme.
3: opening and this yeah. is like specific just to like airing in the West and stuff.
1: Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. You guys just heard a collection of wonderful tracks, starting off with Wu Chang by Fei Wong. It is an opening track from her nineteen ninety-six album Fu Zhao. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that exactly right, but um, this artist is quite an icon. Um And is still pretty relevant today. But before that, we heard I'm My Fan by Jorim. And even more before that, you guys heard Stars by Naiwon Young. Now, we will be jumping right along into our second anime segment, which will feature animes other than the Big Three and Pokemon that were also released during the Y2K era, and some of which are very nostalgic to our to our APN members so yeah we will be jumping right into that
3: oh god okay now we're going down like the rabbit hole of other shows which I guess are like still consider iconic in the time but I think don't have that same level of reach as probably these four that we mentioned just now where it's like people who don't even watch anime even saw it um because now we're jumping into the genre of space western, which I just think with anime specifically, it's a, I don't know if it's as big anymore, but I know during this time period, very big because of a certain show that came out at the time called Cowboy Bebop, which um has anyone actually seen it in this group? I know JP probably has the real anime man of APN,
0: but I watched a few episodes and that's all i, I watched a
3: few the episodes too
0: yay and what what
3: what do y'all think why do you guys only watch a few episodes of complete
0: people it was cool i like the opening why did you only watch a few episodes that's my question girl oh my god i don't know I, it was i don't know it was just I don't know. I don't watch, I don't finish stuff. Like, I, I I, just watched it to see what it was about, and I saw what it was about, and I was like, cool, I'm satisfied, and I moved on.
4: I think the concept is really cool. It's a very, like, like it is peak Japanese anime of the time, but it's also very, like, Americanized. Like, I think a lot of Americans would have watched that and thought it was just, like, American TV programming. That's true. Um, yeah, I think the the music itself is really good. It's, like, easily one of the best... Um, openings in all of anime and I I know there's also like a Spotify playlist I don't I can't find it but it it was one it's like you like bebop but only music from cowboy bebop not the actual genre itself and I think that's so funny because they really pioneered like this whole genre of like like jazz bebop music fans um, because of that anime anyway yes so the show was episodic as well so it was really easy for me to watch episodes here and there Um, and I think I just lost track of it um because yeah. I ran out of time but yeah very cool also Faye Valentine I think is from Singapore as well which I thought was really cool um cuz you don't really get that in anime
0: cuz the next one is Inuyasha which came out in 2000 exactly
3: 2000 and I mean from my understanding Jesse you put this one down
1: uh yes
3: <laughs> yes now tell us why you want to talk about this show in this uh... segment
1: I think it's just very somehow fitting of the Y2K theme, because it's literally, if I had to simplify it, it's literally about a high school girl that gets transported into, like, an ultimate dimension through, like, a well in her we- in her house or her warehouse or something. And then, like, she meets this half-demon, half-human person, and they go on vent- adventures walking through the wilderness of, like, ancient Japan or something. And, like, the funniest thing about this whole thing, and especially with, like, shoujo um, anime in that era, is that uh, in classic anime fashion, the anime characters don't ever change clothes. And so the main character, Kagome, just basically runs around ancient Japan in, like, her school uniform 99% of the time. And it's just the most hilarious thing. Um but yeah that's that's why i put it down
3: wait i find it so interesting that you think of this as a shoujo anime in the shoujo genre because yeah, I, I actually I... don't think it is in the shojo genre at all it's oh it is like it is like izakai before izakai became like a thing because she gets teleported into another world she kind of well, her main thing, which is different, is like she's technically not trapped. She is trapped at one point, but at some point later, she can just kind of go hop, hip, hip, yeah. <laughs> hip, and hopping <laughs> around that well. Like, it's a kai if she can hop,
1: hop back and forth, though. Again,
3: at no, uh, there were initial parts where she just couldn't. And in those initial parts, I said it's an it's a kai, but eventually she figures it out. But I don't think it is a shojo because there's so much like, I mean, there's a lot of romance. I mean, Inuyasha has a whole thing where he can't get over his ex, um, and ex also can't get over him. But there is so much, like, um, intense plot with, like, there's an actual antagonist, and I don't think shoujos have, like, a like, main antagonist that's trying to destroy the world and also kill all the characters.
1: Um, I think I associate shoujo with, like, first of all, like, schoolgirls, but then also, like, them playing a kind of damsel in distress kind of character a lot of the time even oh. though I know Kime is not really a damsel in distress all the time but like hmm. there's also and then also is for like the really olden days like that era of shoujo what I associate most with it is that if I go back and re-watch it I just get a whole bunch of cringe <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, there is, like, a running joke in that show that I find so cringy when it happens. Like, the whole, like, her getting him to sit every time is takes me out every two seconds. There's also this side character who is basically, like, which I think is very common in animes, especially in this time period. They always have a side character that's really perverted and always, like yeah he's there to be like quote-unquote comic relief but all he's just saying is perverted stuff about women and it's like it's just not funny it's not laugh out loud it wasn't even laugh out loud in those days i think because i as a kid i'll be like can this guy shut up (laughs) but yeah but i think what is there is good and so if you can withstand like a hundred plus madness and chaos and a lot of filler Go right ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, okay. The way to summarize it is well, it's like I there's also a lot of very iconic Ghibli films that also came around during this time. Very like y'all already know, Spirited Away, Um, House of Castle, all that jazz. And um, yeah, that's all. I only knew how to summarize that one part. Um. But I guess that's kind of it for a whole like big spiel about these shows and anime that came out during this time. A lot of it is shows that definitely majority of listeners, you know, if you're tuning in, um, have watched before. But it's kind of nice to, I feel like, reflect, go back to those days, see what we think about it, how it reflects with today. And yeah, let us know what you think. through our socials on Asian Pump Nation, Facebook, Twitter, and
0: Instagram
1: this has been the y2k show of asian pop nation on sin um you guys just heard a couple of tracks that very much fit the theme starting off with super fantastic by Peppertones, and even more before that you guys heard white drops by plus tech squeeze box and even more before that you guys heard higher than the sun by symbols um as mentioned before in all our previous little intros and outros um this show has been very much a Tracy show because we played a lot of songs that were around the era where she was born and um, the playlist this week has been made entirely by her as it kind of always is but it has been made of songs during the Y2K era namely between 1995 and 2005 roughly. Um, we also talked a bit about movies and anime TV shows that were released during that time um, and so I hope I, and so I hope, uh, us here at APN gave you a bit of inspo to go back through the uh, past releases, um, and also kind of arouse some nostalgia within our listeners here tonight, um but yeah that has been our y2k themed show here on asian pop nation i hope you guys enjoyed tonight's show it's a bit different from our regular programming but it has been a very fun themed show for all of us here at apn and once again big big happy birthday to our apn member tracy and as always big thanks to tracy for putting together our playlists every show